House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren, and Mr. David North Martino is charming us to be back after his nice holiday. Yes. It's a big I'm charming you. Yeah, it's just, yeah, he's he's great. He's back. He's charming. He's thrilling. Everyone's excited. Nipples are. are hard. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd has been waiting for you to come back. Wow. Yeah, they, they're tired of hearing this miserable old cuss. You know? They want something good, something nice. It's a no. no. It was an unbalanced power. They love just, you, Al. No, it's just. It's, <laughs> The email said something different. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, they love me, please. Now that now even other other news hosts are complaining about me. Jeez. You're infamous. I'm becoming that way. I'm becoming great. hated. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> don't even say anything. It's your fault. <laughs> it's my fault. Well, yeah. I love you, Al. No, well, there you go. No, it's because you're nice. It makes me look really bad. <laughs> so I'm blaming it on you. I mean, you. We're just playing good cop, bad cop, I thought. Well, here, let me write this down, because I am going okay. to tell the station manager that it's only because you are yeah. so nice. Oh. <laughs> they, they actually think, oh, what's he doing with that old crass man? <laughs> Jeez, so give him a show. Get rid of that old thing there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, so uh, we're doing uh, another writer today. Now, th th this guy's all the way from um, the UK, <laughs> wow. and um, he's got another book out. This is like a thriller, scary book, okay? So yeah. you better put on your seatbelt. I know. I, I'm uh, strapped in. Yeah, don't cry. Okay, so now the <laughs> – sit down. This is, a, this is the, Now, the book is called Don't Let Him In. The gripping psychological thriller that will send shivers down your spine, and also the long title that will bother the host, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Howard Linsky. Thank you for coming on the show. Hi, Alan. Hello, David. Thanks for having me on the show. Are you getting me? Hello. Hello. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's very good of us, but you know. <laughs> wow, that's a long title. What? Uh, don't let him in. That long title. Don't let him in, but it's, it's the gripping psych psychological thriller. Oh, yeah. Well, it, they do that weirdly on, on retail sites, don't they? They sort of extend it so that there's dozens of words on there. But, you know, just don't let him in, it'll do. And then they have a yeah. bit of blurb that they add on it. So, yeah. But um, I guess it's the, the desire to cram everything into the title um, bar so that you read it and just hopefully stay on it and click on it and buy it. So there you go. Yeah. Soon it'll be the first chapter. Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you usually get that for free as well. So you, yeah. you, know, you, want, you want to buy the thing or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah so that on. could be a double-edged sword, really. But yeah, you click click on the audio and have a listen and see what you think. Yeah. Who, who don't you want to let in? Well, I think it's kind of funny because on the, on the cover, I don't know if you've noticed, but they put yeah. my name at the top. And so if you read it from the top... <laughs> It says, it literally says, Howard Linsky, don't let him in. <laughs> and then it says underneath there, he's always been there, now he's coming for you. But, uh, oh, well, my friends find that highly amusing. You know, because they've known me for a while. <laughs> now that you say that, yeah. So is this, yeah. is this, is this about you? Is this all well, the rejection you, you've had in your yeah, life? And... Yeah, and, you, and guys, you let me in. I mean, you're regretting it already, I can tell. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, yeah, it was kind of appropriate. But no, this is... Uh, 
this is a fictional uh, killer that you, you'd be probably relieved to hear. It's not actually my autobiography. Um, and it's set <laughs> in a spooky northern seaside town, a bit of a rundown place. We've got quite a few of those in the UK these days, crumbling places that can't really afford to do you know anything more than have a lick of paint applied to the buildings. And uh, in the northeast where I'm from, the climate's pretty pretty cold and a bit blustery as well. So it's the kind of place where if you walk on the sand, you you, you do it in a in a coat. You know, usually by w- walking a dog at the same time. It's not one of those places where people sunbathe. So it does have a bit of an atmosphere that part of uh, England, and uh, I think it's quite a good setting for a, a spooky tale, a crime fiction novel with a, with a bit of a hopefully a bit of a twist that you don't see coming, as they always say on the marketing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, you said it's a fictional one, but mm. I know from all the fiction writers we interview that a lot of a lot of these characters are mainly the usually the main character has a lot of the author in it. Yeah. Uh, well, th- this is a woman, so I can't claim too much. Uh, well, so uh, so you've got the, quite a uh, bit you know. to explain here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, uh, her name is Rebecca. You know, but that's not me at weekends. So you know, but um, we do. I suppose we do share one thing that she. Oh, she's quite a bit younger than me, but she's a journalist, and she's gone into journalism at probably the wrong time because probably on both sides of the Atlantic, it's harder to be a journalist with. You know, news and everything being free online, and you know, it's it's harder to make a living. And um, she comes back to the northeast because her father, who is a newspaper editor or was, has died suddenly, and she thinks it's kind of natural causes. But when she gets back, she starts to realise that he might actually have been murdered because it wasn't conclusive initially. Um, it looks like a, a you know fall, but it could have easily been that he was actually attacked, and uh, a bone in his neck was broken, which makes it look like it could be strangulation so she's now alone in his spooky old house sorting out his gear and trying to work out what he was investigating and why it might have got him killed so yeah so i've never done that <laughs> personally but i could easily yeah. imagine it so, not yeah. that you're but, going to admit to anyway that's uh, true that's <laughs> true yes <laughs> so this is one of your standalone books now you you are more into writing series aren't you yeah but to be honest with you, kind of by accident, my, my first book became a series, but it was meant to be a standalone. And the publisher that took it, the drop, um, wanted more. And I, as I was writing it, there were ideas coming to me. I was like, oh, what if this happened? And I think, yeah, there's no room for that in this book. So I kind of parked that. And then it sort of morphed into a bit of a sequel, and then it became a trilogy. And the same thing happened when I moved to Penguin Random House with a book uh, called No Name Blame. And I had a weird moment where my agent phoned me from the London Book Fair and said that Emma, the editor, had been, uh, popped along from Penguin. He'd read the book, he'd finished it, he really loved it, and he wanted to buy it. And I went, yay! And then and my agent <laughs> said, and he can't wait to see where you're going to go with the series. And I went, oh, <laughs> because there wasn't one. <laughs> there really wasn't one. And um, So I had a little small celebration. You know, you want something fizzy and drink it. And then in the morning... I literally wrote the words, it is 18 months later. And then I tried to work out where the characters might be and what they might be looking at. I was literally thinking in terms of the three main characters, where they would have moved on to in about a year and a half. And then as I wrote bits, I started to get the idea for another book. And there have been four in that series. And, uh, yeah, uh, but but Don't Let Him In is going to be a standalone because 
the character is literally investigating the death of her own father, and she's not really a detective or a PI, or you know, she's not in the police, and she's she's a journalist who just wants to be a journalist and happens to get caught up in something because it affected her own father. So yeah, finally, I would stand alone. It isn't going to morph into a series. Well, yeah, but you know, you could you could cheat and make that a series. Maybe Rebecca's going to transition to a guy named Howard. Ah, good, good thinking. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to yeah. write books. A bit like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, but like a kind yeah. of, you know, the, old, or the old movie Doctor Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of it's kind of an update. Fits the new society, yeah. and you know, think I, about this. You know, I should I'm talk to you guys more often. I'm, I'm thinking yeah, about what yeah. you write next, so you know, yeah. give me some ideas, guys. Thank you. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Writers. And don't worry about any credits. Just take it all. Don't worry. Uh, I thought you were going to say, don't, don't worry about any credits. Just send me money. <laughs> no, no. Just, uh, no, I want nothing to do with this. When they all come down on you on Twitter, I won't. <laughs> 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 don't, don't start using my name oh, here. No. Yeah, yeah. Just, that, that magic word cancelled, you know, where you're yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just <laughs> implodes after all these years because you said yeah. something. Yeah, that's well yeah. misconstrued if you want to put it charitably. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, your whole life's gone in one. Oh my goodness! Two words. What possibly, go on radio. They said, "What could possibly go wrong?" <laughs> go wrong. They, said. <laughs> they didn't tell you about me. Um, well, that's interesting, but I, I, I just wonder. But if, when you, um, so you do this book, and then that you know the other book, and all of a sudden it's like they can't wait to see where you go. Doesn't that yeah. f- make you feel a little bit of pressure? Do, do you feel yeah. kind of oh my god, now what? It did a bit, and I think I had to convince myself, give myself a bit of a talking to that it was a nice problem to have because obviously it was a bit of a problem. I, think I was quite nervous when my editor said, "I can't wait to see the way you go next with these characters." <laughs> I do remember vividly sitting down with him at Bristol Crime Fest. We went for a coffee. And I said, right, right, yeah, the second book, so here, and I pitched it, I guess a bit like um, people pitched to Tim Robbins, the player, you know, the 25 <laughs> words or less thing. Yeah. And I was just scrutinising him, looking just to see if his eyes glazed or if he just rolled his eyes and thought, oh, my God, what have I let myself in for here? I've, I've purchased three books off this guy and his second one's uh, just out there. But thankfully, thankfully, he liked it. And uh, yeah, then, so uh-huh. I can't, I wrote that one, but it's the same every time. You come up with an idea and you you send it to your publisher and hope they won't, uh, I don't know, um, throw up or something, you know, or they'll just pass out. Um, yeah. But if they, you know, if they like you, and I try and come up with something that, you know, is, is a bit different, hasn't hasn't hopefully been done before, um, or at least if it has. I mean, obviously, lots of crime stories follow the theme of either a body being found or something's got missing, or you know, we're not we're not sure quite what's happened, but. It's hard to be wholly original. I like to try and deliver it a little, a little bit of a, a different way if I can. Well, you should write a crime when no murder happens. Yeah, there you go. Well, sometimes... <laughs> it's called a drama. The crime, is, the, the crime is there was no crime. Yeah. yeah the, only, the crime the was crime you bought this book that, and there's no, there's no yeah, crime. The crime so. was me trying to defraud the readers into believing yeah. there was actually a murder in here. <laughs> and they parted with, you know, £7.99 over here. Yeah. Or whatever it, uh, whatever it is these days, yeah. Gosh, yeah. That, but you'd be original. You couldn't really fault it. I mean, I do like sometimes to kind of say, well, someone's disappeared and we don't know if they've run off or been killed or if they've been, you know, trapped, captured. Um, so they're still hostage, maybe. So, yeah, you, you don't always know that there's a, a death there. But uh, I suppose you pick up crime fiction, it, it's fairly implicit that bad things happen, uh, you know, sometimes to good people. But, uh, yeah. 
It's, but it's fun to write because with crime, at least you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So we sort of joke about literary fiction. I don't know if you call it that over in the in the US, but over here we we, we get looked down on by literary fiction writers who think well, mm. they call us they call us genre writers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a genre writer. And, yeah. uh, but but at least we have an end to our stories. You know, they don't just ramble on. <laughs> so, you know. It's the best type of fiction. It is, yeah, I think so. It's and right. you also you get to create characters that hopefully you care about and hopefully the readers will care about. And then just as people start to like them, you chuck massive problems at them. Like, you know, someone's dead or someone's gone missing or there's a there's a ticking clock and they have to solve a problem or terrible things happen. And I think it's quite nice to put characters under the kind of pressure that readers would go, you know, root, root for them over. And, yeah, it's not a bad uh, genre to write in. Yeah, it's much more exciting. Yeah. You know, definitely. it seems, you know, you, you were talking about... Um... Uh, the publisher and, and wanting wanting the series. It almost seems like yeah. publishers today really want uh, that book to uh, not be a standalone, but uh, be able to be morphed into a series. And yeah, you get a, I think there's a there's a weird at the moment. There's a bit of a, 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 a moving away from that actually. Because when I huh. started with Penguin, that was eight years ago when I first signed up for the first novel. And then it really was, you know, if you can get some characters and stuff, some characters and write a series, that's great. And then a few books in, uh, I was going to write one that potentially featured those same characters. And it was a book that became uh, Alice Teal is Missing. And my editor said, actually, at the moment, we're finding it harder to get books into some of the bigger stores when it's number four in a series, when it's number five in a series. And what's happened over in this country, we have... Wow. Supermarkets, which from an American perspective, you would think they were dwarf markets. They're still small. They're not as big as the shops you guys have. But they sell everything. So they they used to just sell food and and drink items or whatever. But now they sell clothes. They sell um, you know music. They sell electrical goods, and they also sell books. And it's a bit of a, a you know a, a positive if you get into those stores. But they don't have a bookshop full of stock. They just have like a shelf. Or, a, or a, mm. um, you know, a few shelves. So they'll only take 24 titles a month, sometimes 12 titles if they're smaller ones. And to get one of those slots is quite coveted. And, yeah, if you pitch them number five in the series, unless you're a stellar name, a big name, then they're probably going to go, but, yeah, but we didn't sell the first three or the first four. Or... So, yeah, so standalones yeah. are back in vogue a bit. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. You yeah. know, you could always go to those markets and just, Empty a shelf and put your books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I've often, I've often fantasized about that, to be honest. And we, we all, we all do the thing where we walk into a bookshop and we see our, see our books with the spines facing out, and we just look around. And no one's looking, so we slide yeah. it out to the shelf and turn it face forward so that it grabs the eye. You know, I, I think all of us authors would admit to doing that. Oh, so, I yeah. do much worse than that. I pour coffee yeah. in all the ones beside me. <laughs> <laughs> I go, uh, I go. You, they, they kick me out of this. They, you know, they don't. You stand there. You stand there yeah. all day, and as they slide out with the books out, you just go, Nah, don't. I've read that. It's terrible. Don't, don't bother. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. The other one. Yeah. You've seen me. Yeah, that's what I. <laughs> that's what I you're, do. You're the that's... guy on the CCTV on that YouTube channel, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. the one that's. That's all I do. It's like, oh, you don't want to read that one. Oh my god, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, these um, but it, but in the UK, these supermarket slots that I mentioned are more coveted than the Booker Prize. You know, I mean, we, it's it's <laughs> you really want to be in these places because 
People yeah. people apparently buy books on impulse while they're buying groceries. I mean, I'm a, I'm a browser. I like to go to bookstores and you know, spend ages yeah. and look at things and occasionally come out with books that I probably will, you know, struggle to find the time to read. But uh, mm. seemingly, people occasionally <laughs> buy groceries on a Friday and uh, put a book yeah. in the trolley. Yeah, all that stuff does. But you know, I don't I don't yeah. know how much they read it. I think they just like to buy all those whim things by the by the cash till when they're waiting. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah, and also that's why it's important to have these little strap lines on there and so shout lines as they call them in publishing. So that at least you um, get across what you're you know, what you're selling, what you're writing about. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But uh yeah, I spend a lot of time putting my books in all those stores. Good bird. Man, I just don't make any money from it. That's it. Uh, <laughs> but they might buy the next one up. <laughs> they like yeah. the first one, they might yeah. buy the next one. Yeah. Look at all those authors on Kindle who used to give the first book away and hope that you bought the second one. So, yeah. And they're all working at the drive through. Come on. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that doesn't work. I mean, you get, you're giving away something uh, nobody that they don't want. So, what's oh, the point? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Right? Um, but. <laughs> Uh, remember, all hate mail goes to, goes to Dave now that he's yeah. back. It's not about me, right? See, now you can see why they hate me and like you. Um, well, so I, where does where does where does it come from? But you just say when the idea comes, you're just sitting there and you kind of wrap it. Do you just have this wild imagination, or do you have dreams? Yeah, or, I think I think I do. I think I have a weird brain, and I, I don't know if all writers are like. I mean, I know a lot of authors, and I think they're all a little bit similar, but. I think one of the things that authors do is even mundane situations, we sit there and we go, oh, what if, you know, what what if suddenly this happened? What if that woman up there playing with that child suddenly got grabbed by a bird? Or what if, uh, you know, somebody marched in here and started shooting a gun or whatever? Um, so, you know, I think our brains are always uh, ticking over. And I think I, I saw somebody explaining that being an author is a bit like having 50-odd um, tabs open on the internet, but they're all open at once at the same time, and they're all whirring around. And, and you know, even when you're not writing, you're writing, you're kind of writing in your head. And, uh, and I usually start with just like a germ of an idea. Uh, and this, but don't let him in, that idea was that my, you know, my hero, heroine, whatever you wish to, the protagonist, I suppose, is the neutral phrase, you know, she has to come home because her dad dies, and she tidies up. Here's a state, and lots of us have to go through that. But mm-hmm. in this case, she finds something pretty sinister, and that sinister thing was he didn't die naturally; he was he was murdered. And that that became the start of that. And then what I need to do then is I always have to have an ending in my mind because I can't be one of those writers who just writes a book and says, "Oh, I have no idea how it's going to end." Like, really? What if yeah. you get to like eighty thousand words and you've got no idea mm-hmm. how to wrap this up? I, I just I admire them, but I'm also like, how can you do that? So, and then my job is having settled on a, hopefully a very good ending and a, and a good hook at the start. The challenge is how do I get you guys to keep reading once you pass that opening chapter? And, you know, I've got to throw in all sorts of things to keep you guessing. And, uh, you know, they're all red herrings and things that make you want to go, oh, oh what was that? A little drip feed of information there. And, you know, I want to know a bit more about that guy's mysterious backstory or whatever. Um, just so you, you keep with me all the way through till the. The ninety thousand word mark, or whatever it happens to be. Well, you so could just stop writing at eighty thousand words. You don't even have to have an ending. Just stop writing. Here's some writers who've done that. <laughs> you go, yeah, I mean, I've, I've read books that have petered out. Clearly, they had no yeah. idea how to end the thing. You know, and then, and I, I guess they get around that by calling it literary fiction. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, just, I don't know what to say now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, what do I uh, write yeah. now? 
Hmm. Can you imagine well, how dissatisfied if it just ended, but didn't actually end? If you said, "Man, it was just like, yeah." And he went off and he still had to solve the crime. But, you know, that's life. Sometimes the crime doesn't get solved. And, uh, yeah. yeah get the murder is still out there. There's no justice for the grieving. Yeah, Not you can day. have a little epilogue. Just get over it, okay? Yeah, <laughs> Don't have it then. Yeah. Get over it. Look, it says on the cover, the most realistic crime novel you'll ever read, and it is. <laughs> it's yeah. just, you know, there, was, there was lots of boring investigation work that went on for weeks, and then ultimately yeah. they went, oh, we've got no leads and uh, no suspects. Yeah. And, yeah. What are the oh, things well. to deal with? You know? Yeah, got to get on the next case. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> We've invented a new genre, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> boring <laughs> crime fiction. <laughs> the, un- the unfinished boring book. Yeah. The, the unsolved wow. trilogy. <laughs> so, yeah. So now, are you hearing voices and stuff, or do you see pictures? Like, how do you, how do you experience this whole situation? Uh, well, I don't. I, I've all my life, I've been a very big film fan. Uh, le- I mean, I, I do read, I like reading novels, but. That was a lot of crime writers I know. They always talk about books they grew up reading, and I did a bit of that. But mostly for me, it was you know I know I know every line of The Godfather virtually, and that, that kind of thing. That influenced me more than reading novels. So I still talk about uh, well, I need to sit down and I need to write that scene where this happens. So I see it as a scene. I don't know if other writers think of chapters or, or the way they describe it, but I see it cinematically. And my first books were options. For film, although they never actually were turned into film, but they were optioned by the producer of the Harry Potter films, of all people. So that was pretty amazing. That's because he, he didn't have an ending. That's it. He wanted to just add an ending. He was so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> it involved wands and everything. But, uh, yeah. but, he, but he did comment that it seemed cinematic. He, sort of, he thought it would be naturally something you turn into either a movie or a TV series. And I did comment that it was probably because I was very into movies when I was growing up. So... Um, and, I, and I still try and watch, you know, movies whenever I can. I mean, not every single day, but ideally I'd like to sit down and watch a movie. And I don't steal from those films, but they stimulate other ideas. So I'll watch mm-hmm. something and go, well, what if, you know, what if that happened instead? Or what if the character was very different and it went off in a different direction? I'm also one of those very annoying people who tries to say the line of dialogue before it's put it. And if I get it right, my wife kind of wants to hurl things at me. You know, I don't know if you guys ever do that. But. <laughs> so, but you know, she goes, how did you know that? And I go, well, that's because that's the line I would have written. You know, it just seemed obvious to me, those exact words. <laughs> so, yeah, it causes a bit of friction, but you know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Did you do? it's bound to happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can, you can see all the strings and the trap doors and the way writers uh, create, create the story. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I, I, I would be lying if I said every time, but I, quite yeah. a lot of the time I can. And then I, I get great pleasure when it doesn't go that way. You know, well, obviously I'm very pleased when I'm right, but at the same time, when I'm wrong, I say, oh, that was good. I, oh, I thought it was going to be this. And, um, yeah, it's, it's good to be, you know, um, sidestepped a little bit by somebody else's clever writing. So when that happens, it's a joy. Yeah. Well, do you have that with your characters? Are, are you in control of your characters or... Do you feel like they have a mind of their own and they start rebelling against the plot? And <laughs> um, oh, gosh, no, I'm, I, I'm probably not, but um, I do joke about it. You know, sometimes there's a couple of characters that I have, um, Helen and Tom, and they kind of, they're not together, but clearly they should be. And, and people will occasionally say, well, they get together eventually. And I'll go, well, it's not down to me. Oh, you know, and go, well, they look at me like I'm mad, you know, and I'm only joking. <laughs> but, um, of course it's down to me. You know, if they, were, if they end up together or whatever, I could just write it. But, yeah, I, I tend to, I don't know, once I'm doing their bits, I kind of fall into a fairly natural 
flow where I know how they speak and the sort of things they would do because I have an image of them. Oddly enough, it's not a physical image, so I couldn't tell you really what they physically look like. Mm. And I'm, I, lo- I mean, not all authors do this, but, but I know others that do this where someone will say to them, oh, I saw the guy playing this particular character on TV and it, that's not how I saw the guy. You know, he's, He doesn't look like that. And the author's, I've been there where the author's gone, well, I didn't, I didn't physically describe him. I didn't say how tall he was or whether he had dark hair or blonde hair or whatever. Because I, I always find that the, the kind of dull bit, you know, like, you know, the, 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 the idea that you take the dull bits out. Um, yeah. Hitchcock, Hitchcock said that. Cinema is life, the film is life with the, the dull bits cut out, which I thought was a lovely um, phrase. And, and I try not to do the, he walked in the room, he was six foot four, his hair was brown, he was wearing glasses. He, I'm bored already by this stitch, you know, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I also don't describe a tree. You know, if, if Al, David and Howard need to have a clandestine meeting under a tree, I'll just say they met under the tree. I won't be describing the leaves for half a page. You know, and, uh, <laughs> they have a light caught the bark or whatever. It's not It's not really me. I, I quite admire that writing. I've seen them well by other people, but I'm just like well, that's no. why you're just a genre writer. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, hey, do, you know, do you know what, Chief? Well, I don't really, I always laugh about it anyway. It doesn't bother me too much, but... Um, Raymond Chandler apparently got really upset because people used to describe him as a mystery writer, just a mystery writer. And I thought, well, that's um, a very good copy there. Call me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, at least you get called a writer. I mean, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I get called other things. Sometimes I get called a writer. Yes. <laughs> do you, well, it's funny. Do you, so you don't, you don't actually have this all outlined you're not sitting there and you outline the whole story in the book and what the characters no, are and no not really so not i'll have really. an idea it, it's sort of like putting a jigsaw together i guess or uh um you know that daft uh, well, i don't know if you have this expression where, where you guys are but we if we say something's really complicated we'll say it's like peeling back the layers of an onion yeah. and sometimes i think writing a book is a bit like assembling an onion it's very like there's loads and loads of layers of it and i i will kind of assemble it in a bizarre way i don't write chronologically so I should write at the start of the book and just keep going till the end, but I don't. And I'll wake up one day and go, right, I'm going to write that scene. You know, I'll, I'll do that scene today where David and Alan, how I discuss murdering someone while sitting in a bar or whatever, because I'm in the mood to write that scene. And then I'll write other stuff, and then I'll realise it's all in the wrong order, literally in the wrong order. So I'll have to kind of cut, copy and, well, cut and paste those bits into the right yeah. order, and then there's an awful lot of joining up to do. God, I have no idea why I do it that way. It, it seems to be not a very logical way to write a book because it does cause problems further down the line. You are a bit confused. However, it seems to work that I just want to write the bit I want to write, so I'll write that bit. Um, and some things I'll put off for weeks because I'm not too keen on writing that particular scene, mm. uh, either because I think it'll be too hard work or I just can't quite work it out yet. And then one day I'll sit down and do it. And uh, But, yeah, putting it all back in the in the right order is when I kick myself and think, next time I won't do it like this. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah. I always do. I don't know why. Strange brain, yeah. I guess, guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just you whenever go. you're sober, you get the mood to write. Yes. I tried writing drunk <laughs> once. I did. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> That's the best seller, right? That's yeah. It. Oh, gosh, can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> we at Wondery, creators of Dr. Death, Scamfluencers, and Over My Dead Body, Go deeper into complex true crime stories to give you an inside look at the facts. And now we're launching the ultimate true crime fan destination, Exhibit C. It's truly criminal. 
Wondery's Exhibit C gives you the detective's lens of all of the evidence, taking you step-by-step step through the twists and turns of each true crime case. Join the Exhibit C online community to access exclusive show merchandise, member-only content, and to hear directly from top criminal and social justice experts, witnesses, and investigators as they take us beyond the evidence and into the case file. Join now by following Wondery Exhibit C on Facebook or find us on the web at WonderyExhibitC.com and listen to true crime podcasts on Wondery and Amazon Music. Exhibit C, it's truly criminal. <laughs> when, you, when you're drunk and you think, this is great, in the morning you really back yourself and go, oh dear God, no, no, no. Yeah. So, yeah, well, like when, I, when I write, it's more like peeling the onion because people are crying before they get to chapter <laughs> one. <laughs> I can't believe someone because they are this. they are so moved by your proof. yeah they're so moved that <laughs> uh, the publisher actually paid for this. <laughs> My God, it's the last time I pick up a book in a shopping oh, market. Well, it's probably my publisher crying. <laughs> no, no, no. You're the real writer. Uh, yeah. you know. do, did you? So you don't plan it; it just falls into place. And yeah, so out. I do. I do a little bit of planning. So what I try to do is uh, uh, something I used to hate. One of the day jobs is using those Excel spreadsheet things. You know, because frankly, oh. they're tedious and boring, and they involve maths. But what they are quite happy for is writing. Like, see, you know, you can write numbers, and you can put like fifty numbers down thing, and I'll, and I'll outline a chapter, and I'll just kind of go, chapter three, you know, they've, they've killed the guy, and so now they need to get rid of his body, or chapter 11, the police come knocking on the door, and I just have to, all I do is just write that down in, like, that spreadsheet format, which is very boring to describe, but really works quite handily, because you can move it around, do that cut and paste thing, I said, and you kind of go, oh, I need to put that conversation further along, or whatever, um, and it, it helps you just keep a bit of a thread on the events yeah. that have to happen. So I'm like, right, okay, someone's investigated this crime. What's the first thing they're going to do? Well, they need to find out the, you know, the time that guy died. Is there a, you know, was there a murder? How did he die? Da, da, da. And then, okay, who would he go and see first? Okay, go and see the dearest, dearest um, you know, ask the wife or girlfriend or whatever. All that stuff we see when we're watching a movie and it just flows. You know, the person's going from person to person. You're asking questions drawing a few conclusions and moving it along. I kind of worked that out a bit, but it's only in sentence form. So there isn't really a lot there other than, you know, he goes to see Bill, and Bill is, you know, evasive. Um, and, you know, he's immediately suspicious. And that's, I'll write that down. And then that will form something that I'll get around to writing one day. Um, and then, of course, when you, when you submit your first draft, you get editors coming in going, yeah, no, can we bring that bit forward? You know, or sometimes it's a good reason. They'll say, well, I... I really like that scene. It's really good, but but it's on page two hundred. Can we not have it on page fifty? And you go, oh, okay. <laughs> but you realise the ripple effect of taking something out of page two hundred and bringing it forward one hundred and fifty pages and just dropping it in there. Um, if you if you're not careful, later on you'll be asking for something someone's already given you. You know, you'll, you'll be like, "Where's that file I wanted? You promised to steal it for me." Yeah, dude, I gave it to you one hundred and fifty pages ago. <laughs> oh yes, you did. Yeah. You know, so you have to reread it with like clean pair of eyes as it were and just go through it and go, ah, that hasn't happened yet. You need to get rid of that. So, yeah, it can get complicated. I call it brain melts when you reach that stage because it is complicated. <laughs> yeah, I have the same thing. I, I sometimes write out of order and 
then you have to go and smooth it down. I, I tend to use, uh, there's a program called Scrivener, and I use that to uh, kind of move everything around, but then you still have to go through and uh, you know, it can get kind of crazy. I've got friends who use Scrivener, and I, I, I keep yeah. meaning to give it a try, but I, I know they said it was a bit tricky to set it up and get used to it. So I do the old-fashioned using words thing. But yeah. when I get the stage where I'm moving chapters around, Try to remember numbers and everything. I'm sure that would, that would be working better for me. So I really it takes a while it's nice to. It's nice to know, David, that I'm not the only one who writes in the, <laughs> uh, not in the right order, as it were, not in chronological but the, order. But the difference is Dave leaves it that way. Oh, uh, yes. Well, yeah, well, yeah it's all <laughs> jumbled. Ah. <Yeah>. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. And then um, I, call, I call it literary fiction. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, love See it. the hate mail's coming. Oh, gonna, I'm ready for yeah. it. We're going to get cancelled by the literary uh, writers. But the, good, <laughs> but the, good thing is, the good thing is they only have like 35 readers between them, so what do we care, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they don't listen. Come on. They don't. No, exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> well, you know, you've, you've had a lot of jobs uh, b- before, uh, you know, taking the plunge as a full-time writer. Yeah. Um, do you pull from those jobs to, um, yes, to create your actually. characters? And yeah, and, and sometimes in weird ways. I mean, I wrote, a, I had to write a book that involved uh, Nazi hierarchy in the Second World War, you know, and finding out who they were, which is quite disturbing because obviously the things they did were horrific. But weirdly, mm. when they fell out with each other and tried to trip each other up and, you know, be favoured by the Führer over, over a rival, I thought, yeah, I've worked in companies a bit like that, you know. The office politics kind of thing, and it's just that the stakes were much higher. But mm. I understood yeah. how, you know, we all get that thing where you go, guys, you just stab me in the back. Or, uh, there used to be a wonderful phrase where, where I worked, which was, you just threw me under a bus. Everybody used yeah. to use that phrase, you know. I've just come out of a meeting, you just threw me under a bus in front of the boss. And, uh, yeah, a little bit of that was um, for the more mundane side of that, that rivalry that they all had. I could see that. And also, um, in terms of, Silly comments, or, or uh, maybe it's a dialogue that I kind of uh, pinch a little bit, twist. Hmm. It can date back to years ago when I was a barman, because you know it's a great oh. education being a barman for a while. I mean, I, I did it all the way through college for a year full time while I was trying to get a good job. And you know the stories that you tell each other um, as bar <laughs> staff, and the stories the customers tell you. Yeah, every now and again I'll think, oh gosh, yeah, I remember Brian saying this thing thirty years ago. But I'll just tweak that a little bit, you know, to turn that phrase around a bit, use it. So, yeah, I think authors could and should mine from their own lives. I mean, we don't, all jokes aside, we tend not to be murdering psychopaths, but we have had lives. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> we, can, uh, we, we know what it's like to, I don't know, fancy someone or, you know, ask, ask a girl out, bomb, uh, you know, uh, get a bit too drunk or, Mm. You know, accidentally perhaps um, get told off by the police for something minor. <laughs> you know, very, very minor, I should stress. It's <laughs> never happened. So, yeah, no. yeah but we're all young. But, uh, but yeah, so <laughs> little, little bits of stuff. that, that may, or, they, or they'll just influence you and make you think of something else. So, yes, I do. But uh, I, I haven't done anything involving some working with police or following them around. Or I do the research, but the, the longer I'm at this, the more I... Oh, sorry, the less I research in the sense that I think you should wear your research lightly anyway on the page. So, mm. you know, 90% of what you find out, if you try to put all of that on the page, it would be too dull. And if you describe a crime scene really accurately, you're, on, you're in the pages of it, aren't you? And, uh, you know, yeah. with weeks for the test results to come back and all that kind of thing. So 
a technical yeah. bug down yeah. there. No, I think I think it's just more about the knowledge so that you don't get something wrong in the story. Yes, agreed. That's I mean, that, that's a big, uh, you know, that's, that's the main thing. You don't want to be deluged with emails of people saying, well, how on earth could that have happened? But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, without getting too bogged down in the detail, I think it's, it's a happy medium. Yeah, it's like the description of the tree and stuff. It's just, it's something yeah. that you don't need to uh, uh, to really um, get into um, unless yeah. unless there's something about that tree that's involved somewhere down the road in the crime or the story, right? Yes, and it, you know what? That that it just made me think because when you were with editors, usually the editors are really clever people. I mean, they've, they've got amazing qualifications just to be able to get into that job. It's very competitive, but occasionally. They will fall for something, and they'll ask me to remove something, and I'll go, "Oh no, no, I can't remove that. I know it looks bland, but it's actually a clue, you know. And it could be something quite minor." Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I had that in the book once. It was all about a guy digging something in an allotment, uh, which is a little garden. You can, it's like an extra garden where you grow vegetables and things. Because we don't have as much land as you guys, so some people have like tiny gardens that they rent from the local council in these allotments, which right. are patches of land, and you can dig them up and grow things. So. I had this whole dialogue where my, my investigative guy was asking someone about someone else. And the guy doing the answering was going, oh, he thinks she's a great gardener, but, you know, he dug his potatoes in February and you don't dig your potatoes. You wait till March before you start digging. And even my investigator was bored. He was like, that's not what I'm here for. And it was, and my editor suggested we cut it. But it was a clue because he wasn't digging potatoes. He was digging a, a hole to put a body in. And he just, that was it. And then when he finds out later on, the investigator, the guy in question was actually an excellent gardener. It made him, and could grow anything. It made him think, well, hang on, why would you have got the, why would you have got that wrong? Clearly he wouldn't have got that wrong. And, oh my God, that's where the body is, you know, so there you go. But, uh, but if the editor had removed that boring bit, that uh, two or three paragraphs, then, you know, we'd have, we'd have not got to where we were meant to in the book at the end. Yeah. So kill the editor. Kill the editor, yes. Yeah, well, that's, that's right. right. That's obvious enough. That's the title of my next book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you know. Uh, do, do you do you actually um, ever have something or a point that you want people to get out of the book, other than the entertainment? Um, yeah, sometimes. I mean, I don't want to get too preachy, so it might be a little bit of a side issue. But currently, the one I'm writing, the one I've just finished writing, which will come out in September, is called "The Inheritance," and quite a few of the characters in there. Um, have a sense of entitlement that I don't actually see very often in America because we don't really have that class system we have. I know you have Ivy League and I know you have people <laughs> who've got you know, money and all that, but, yeah. but we, we go back centuries with this rubbish, you know? Yeah. And, uh, the sense of entitlement that people in our government, usually because they've been to Eton and Cambridge, um, it just means that they can make a bigger mess than most people but they don't have any self-doubt about it. You know, they, they never think it's their fault. So, you know, and they, and they also think the rules don't apply to them. But funny enough, as I was finishing writing it, um, we found out in this country that our prime minister had been telling us all that we couldn't go anywhere, see anyone, do anything, while having parties in Downing Street, you know, during COVID. Wow. Um, well, that's, yeah. well, don't worry about it, because the rules are just for them. Um, so, right. you know, coincidentally, I've been banging on about it through the book that some of the characters acted because they didn't think the rules applied to themselves. And as is often the case, you write something and while you're writing it, you know, it explodes around you in the news. So, yeah, so that was the, the, the theme, one of the things that I was banging on about, really, that just because you went to eat, Eton for, you know, and it cost £30,000 a year to go there, 
And just because you went to Cambridge uh, and your dad's got money doesn't necessarily make you the best person to run our country. So, yeah. 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 What's her, what's her middle name, Boris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did have a Boris. There's a, there's a Boris-like character in there. And I, delib- <laughs> I deliberately made it a little bit more, uh, a little bit less obvious by saying that this politician that features in it, he's not in it very much of the book. He's just in there as a character briefly. And you don't really see him, you hear about him. And someone tries to explain why the voters like him, despite the fact that he's been involved in a lot of scandals. And I, I summed him up by saying that he's, uh, you know what they say about him? He's cleverer than Cameron and better looking than Boris. Just purely, really, to get <laughs> Boris out of people's heads. But, yeah, but yeah. They're, all, they're all similar. You know, there's two or three of them. Really yeah, well, I would, Cameron, I always think of a pig now. I don't know. Oh, of course. Yes, that's, uh, that's his leg. That's his legacy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's just awful. But, uh, that's that's uh, ingrained yeah. in me now. I think of yeah, yeah. yeah. I think of what he does to pigs. But yeah, uh, uh, well, that's a different that's his, story. That's his political legacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so so in a sense, um, how long does it take you to write this this story? Then, like from it's from when the idea of- comes. Approximately, the whole process is approximately a year. That's from the point where I started to the point where it actually, you know, appears in a in a store. So the first draft, I would try and get one done within about six months. And then we have a few months to go back and forth with the editors. And sometimes it only takes two to three drafts. And sometimes the, the latest one, I got a bit bogged down. And it took five drafts. And uh, that was a bit more, they were, they loved the storyline, but there were things they wanted to add and things they wanted to come out of. And we got a bit bogged down. But uh, generally speaking, I try to make sure that I'm delivering the finished item yearly, even if the publication date slips a little. So, you know, you might have one book coming out in June and the following might come out the second one, or sorry, the next one might come out the following September, but at least it's the same calendar year because, you know, I don't want to get bogged down writing something for three or four years and uh, yeah, people forget all about me. Well, plus, don't you, don't you get caught up in it? Like if you try to... Um over edit or over correct and keep on changing things. You could, you can yeah. kind of overdo it, you know. I mean, you can, I think, and I try. I'm always torn because I try to be, you know, jokes aside, I try to be a nice person to work with. I try not be one of those guys who throws his toys out of the pram just because someone wants to change a few sentences. But because at some point you have to fight a little bit to keep the things you believe in, and you, you know, I try to do it politely, but you can go back and forth a bit on that, and, and it can be a bit frustrating. But as long as it's mostly what you wanted to write um, and still kind of 90% you, then I'm, I'm all right about it. It's just every now and again, you've got to kind of go, no, no, I really want to keep that. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's a scene you really care about. And, you know, there was a there was a couple of things that I sort of keep back on on the, on the current one that I've just finished writing, and they're fine about it in the end. I think they just – the good thing is that everybody's trying to produce the same thing, which is the best book you can. So I never question anybody's motives for saying, oh, you know, chapter 11, do we need it? Uh, you know, immediately I might say, well, yes, we damn well do need that because it took me a week to write it and I really like it. But then I'm, I try and, you know, walk around the block, come back, look at it, go, actually, do we need chapter 11? Maybe we do need to cut bits of it. So maybe I can rephrase it a bit. And you end up with a compromise maybe where you keep that chapter, but you cut little bits of what they thought perhaps didn't add any value to the story. So, yeah, it works a bit like that, really. A bit, bit of toing and throwing. Jeez. I'm a drama queen. I throw, I break every glass in the house. If, if an editor says, we're not, we can't put that in there. I'm just, 
oh my god then i'm devastated i go i have to go to a rest unit for a month and (laughs) i'm hard to work with i'm terrible i'm just i'm just visualizing the rest unit does it involve alcohol or is that that the name of your local bar i have to yeah yeah it's just terrible you know they're like no we don't want to work with him please yeah well, yeah, I, I, well I, try to be, I try to be a pleasure to work with, but obviously we all care, don't we? And, uh, you know, occasionally someone will say, you know, they, for example, they might they might want to change the title or whatever. And if they, you know, you think, oh, please send me a good one then, because if you're... So they might say, so I had one book that I was going to call The, uh, the Chameleon, but it, again, well, weirdly, I mentioned it again, there was a literary fiction book coming out the following year oh. <laughs> that was called The Chameleon, I think. And so they said, oh, we can't call it that. And, uh, and we ended up with a, a, a good title, but I think, you know, from memory sometimes... The publishers, they always say the same thing when I send something. They send you the cover, uh, the design, and the title, and uh, the shout line underneath the, the title. And you read the, before you open it, you read their email that says basically something along the lines of, you know, we've, we've you know, we've been looking at this and all of us agree that it looks fantastic and really, really hope you like it. And I, I, I think that's kind of code for, of please like this because we've been working really hard <laughs> on it. And if you don't like it, we're back to the drawing board. So I always really, really want to like them. And it, and, I've been very lucky, nearly always I do. But occasionally I go, oh, oh, actually, that title that you all dreamed up together, it doesn't really make me think of a crime book even, let alone. So so you, you've got to politely go back and say, look, uh, sorry, but can we have another look at this and uh, try something else? Uh, I do it politely, so you know, hopefully they don't hate me. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, I mean, you do. Uh, do you worry? Um, because recently I had a, a little run-in with one of these publishers uh, about um, using certain terms, certain phrases. Oh, yeah. And I, and I yeah. know I used ghetto, for instance. And, and uh, All right. They're like, well, couldn't we call it working-class neighborhood? And and um, the problem for me was I was writing. It was it's a it's a true crime, so it's a yeah. real story, and it's what one person said to another. They they called uh, it. So I'm thinking, yeah. well, I don't really want to change their language because it's personal. It's really you're getting to know who this yeah, person yeah, is. It's real. It's not made up. So, um, dude, but does that concern you, or do you sort of have to yeah, run through? Only that? I mean. I, I try to be a bit careful. I guess the, the books I, first books I wrote probably wouldn't pass through editors these days without lots of changes because it was quite gritty stuff. It was three gangster novels and it was, I wrote them 10 years ago. So I suspect there'd be quite a bit of re-engineering required to make it through these. Well, they have what sensitivity readers, I think they call them yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so, and I got, weirdly, I got picked up on what I thought was really innocuous stuff this time, which was a couple of times I wrote about uh, males, and I, I got told, well, you know, women can be bullies too, and, and I was a bit baffled, because I thought, well, is this because, and sensitivity question mark, and I thought, well, surely mid, you know, middle-aged white guys like me aren't going to get bent out and shit by somebody complaining about a male boss being a bully or something, and I was a bit, and, and I, I never did get an answer the question, but I did ask, is this a new thing that the publishers, you know, are you all being told? And I said, I'm, I don't mean it sarcastically, I mean genuinely, because I'd like to know have we got to avoid saying, uh, you know, I think I wrote something like, oh, I hope you never have to um, work for some bullying male boss. You'll end up a talentless male boss or something that you'll end up carrying, I think I wrote, um, about a woman talking to another woman. And, uh, and the, the, you know, I, I wasn't really aware that that was going to worry anyone. The fact that I described this bully as a male 
because uh, I know female bosses could be bullies as well, but I just thought, well, you know, historically, I think men take the world title for bullying other people at work, really. And uh, I didn't, yeah, that was a, that was an unusual one. But yeah, I suppose I'm a little bit self censored as such, but you're just aware that the world has turned a little bit. So even if you're writing something ironically, then you know people can still get upset. I mean, my my uh, protagonist of my first three books was not a good guy. The only reason you would like him is that he was slightly less appalling than the people around him because he was he worked in organised crime, so he's obviously not going to be a nice guy. I didn't want to write him like that, um, but you know I, I, he isn't me, if you see what I mean. So when I when it, when I'm writing his thoughts, they're not my thoughts. But I suspect these days, a lot of his thoughts would have been edited out. Some of his thoughts on women, he was a little bit. Wasn't he? Bordering on misogynistic, I suppose, or a bit dismissive. But I, I was I was writing about a guy who every day faced possible death, injury, or arrest, and he was dating someone who was a normal woman with a normal career. And I, I thought, well, when she comes home and moans about her day, he's not going to go, "Oh, darling, come here, I'll buy you a glass of wine." He's just going to be in his head. He's going to be like, "Oh, God, you think you've got problems?" That probably made him sound a bit misogynistic, but it wasn't the intention to make him like a woman hater, it was just, I didn't think he'd be very tolerant, because he's not a nice guy. But I suspect yeah. I probably wouldn't, I probably would be asked to cut some of that these days, I guess. Yeah, it's not... The world has changed, you know. Yeah, you're triggering people. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to drive off the road if I'm listening to your book. <laughs> <laughs> people like you, you know. Howard Linsky, don't let him in. Don't, don't oh, yeah, it's exactly, you see, I mean... <laughs> They, they can't say I didn't warn them, so, you know. <laughs> Don't let them in. It's not pretty. Yeah, exactly. You know, you exactly. think you got problems. Lady. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, I th I th yeah, I think if you're facing any kind of <laughs> horrific, you know, I mean, I don't suppose police officers and firefighters are very tolerant of guys who go, you would not believe what my boss said today, you know. They'd be like, yeah. well, <laughs> get over it, you know. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> he didn't like my hair. <laughs> yeah, I know. He looked at me in a funny way, as they say over here, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. He gave me such a look, you know. Yeah, he was yeah, undressing really, me with really. his eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, was actually, I was actually on fire earlier, but, you know, and I mean, literally, not metaphorically, uh, would the firefighters would be saying, wouldn't they? And uh, you're worried about someone giving you a hard stare. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, holding his hose in a certain more hate mail. This is a hateful <laughs> show, I tell you. This is well, like, you know, well, someone's got to do it. Right? I like I like hanging out with you guys, but obviously it's career ending Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> when in doubt, come on the show. We, we either we make you or break you. Break you. <laughs> I think we should change the name of the show. Make can you I, can or I break, just, break you. Can I just ask, have you made anyone, or have you just broken everyone? Yeah, we've pretty it's much broken, broken everyone. <laughs> no, that's just about, that's the truth. Oh, it, you know. dear. There's, oh, there's dear. been a few people that made it, but they uh, ended up in a nut house. So. Oh, oh, fair enough. Yeah. Un unfair word. <laughs> beep, beep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. yeah. Careful. Yeah. 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 And it's like, no. no, it was a house that sells peanuts. Not yes, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yep. It's like when yep. I say cock, they say you can't say that. And I'm talking about a chicken. A chicken, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I wish they still, they don't believe me, you know. Oh, oh well. 
Yeah. Oh well. Well, um, so uh, you now, you know, social media and stuff. Do you like? Do you like reviews? Do you like the new world? Do you like this whole internet? And uh, do you have website? Do you have social media? Yeah, work? I mean, it's mixed, really. I so, uh, the things I do like. I've got a website, and that's really good because I can get all the books on there. And uh, I don't bang on about me too much. It's a little bit about me, obviously background wise, but all the books are there, so you can see those. And that's very handy. Um, obviously, it's useful that with the internet you can order things online. So. A book's literal shelf life in this country would be you know, weeks, possibly months, unless it's a big hit. So after a while, the easiest place to get it is to go online and shop that way. Social media, uh, I quite like being on Facebook because I, I like the interaction with friends, but I also am able to tell someone that I'm going to go and do a signing in Newcastle to launch a new book. and Immediately, 1,500 people will see that. So that's kind of handy. It doesn't mean they're all going to turn up, but some will. Um, so that's useful. Twitter, I like less because it doesn't feel like a conversation, whereas on Facebook, you you interact with people. And Instagram, if you went on there, you'd see the cover of Alice Taylor's Missing, which is at least two years old, because I went on there and I just didn't really get it. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm sort of feel like I'm shouting into the, 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 the ether. And the, the, if there's anyone yeah. out there, you know, I think I connected to about 40 people on Instagram and posted the cover of an old book uh, you know, when, it wasn't, when it wasn't old. And I just thought, no, I don't really get this. So I am a typical, you know, middle-aged bloke from my country. I'm on Facebook. I just about understand Twitter. Instagram, not really. And TikTok, that, that's for the young ones. I, I should be on there. Banging get on, on there. Phone, but I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, you, I haven't you, even looked at it yet. You, I get up, do, I suppose. you put on a bikini and you hold your book yeah. and you get on there and you put on some wild music and dance for about 30 seconds. You you have heard about my hobbies at weekends, though. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> you just literally described them. Yeah, Crikey. so that that you know, so get yeah. on there because you'll be selling tons of books. That well, I've got, I, 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 I like to think I've got the figure for it. <laughs> so, well, there you, know. you go, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Oh, but the, but the, the g string's got to be your size, okay? Stop true. wearing that's them. true. <laughs> yes, I, I don't want I don't want that to happen again. No, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, well, I, I, I think I need to get a, a Zoom meeting with Penguin to tell them about the marketing strategy we, we've dreamt up between us guys because this is good yeah. stuff. Yeah, this you know, is, gonna, I, I'm here. We're going to write happening. mysteries that don't end, which is great. Yeah. You know, no yeah. resolution whatsoever. Uh, yeah. You know, literary fiction crime novels that never end. Yeah. And, and it's just about the detective having a bit of a midlife crisis in his head. So, yeah. Yeah. That'll work. That's and, it. It's uh, all about the drama. Nobody cares about the murder. Exactly. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and it's going to be real sensitive. <laughs> They're going to sit there and, and talk about sensitivity and, yes. and feelings and, and the tree. The tree I, mates may feel, and they're going to have a conversation with the tree each chapter. We're going to call it the cancelled detective. Yeah, he, <laughs> said, detective, that's he said the wrong thing on social media, and now he's out in the wilderness. He's, you know, he's <laughs> solving cases on his own because his boss is appalled. He said the wrong thing on Twitter. Ah, see, I like yeah. this. This goes. Yeah. You see, I'm you're going to be a big star here. I'm telling you, you're one of the makeets. Excellent. I'll come back up when I have. Yeah, no, we can, we can have your agent call our agent, right? Yeah, I know. I will, do definitely, lunch. guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so now what is the website so people can come find you? Yeah, I'm just at howardlinsky.com. So that's Perfect. enough. We'll have that up on our website, too, so people can oh, find you, you, and then you yeah. know, they can hunt you down. Yes. Um, <laughs> and please, bad bad comments all go to Howard Linsky. Uh, he's yes. looking forward yes. to it. And bad I'd reviews, like to, too. I'd, I'd just like to apologize for anything I may have said in the past hour <laughs> to anyone yeah. I may have offended. I think America is a wonderful country full of beautiful people. 
And uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and some ugly ones, obviously. Oh, damn, I've done it again. Yeah, Kim yeah. Kardashian, the country of yeah. Kim. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so now the book we want you to buy is called Don't Let Him In. And if you're on social media, you'll see Don't Let Him In, the gripping psychological thriller that will send shivers down your spine. But it's just Howard Linsky, Don't Let Him In, or you could be problems, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Howard Linsky, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks so much, guys, for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Howard. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.